Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. And this is the Monday news episode. And we're also going to do a little bit of listener feedback. Today. I like it. This so we... is kind of the potpourri episode. Everything all together. <laughs> you don't like that? I, I have not seen potpourri in anybody's house in quite... Do you have potpourri in your house? No, I don't have potpourri yes, you in my do. house. No. Yes, you do. No, I also hate potpourri I as hope a so. concept. <laughs> but this is like, you put all the stuff together and it's great. It's only two things. <laughs> all the stuff together and it's going to be great. No, no, no. Send all emails about how bad potpourri is to Jake <laughs> at Overcrest Podcast. <laughs> Productions.com. Anyway, so um, before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about Patreon. Yes. Head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. Support the show. Five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, 25 bucks a month. There's three different tiers. Yes. And uh, we've actually got some prototype things I was gonna, in the I, works. Yeah. I, was wondering I don't want to say what it is yet. We got a some, prototype uh, thing for the Patreon members that are that are signed up. So some new product. product. You know, even if it's not for the stuff, support the show. Exactly. You know, it's very, That's very it's easy. About. Uh, to support us, support the show, keep the lights on, keep the rent paid is basically <laughs> what basically what we're after. Plus, you get exclusive content once a month. Speaking yep. of which, that's coming up. Do you know what we're going to be talking about I on the next don't. one? I have a list of things that I have not started to put together yet. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get there. So um, I want to hit the listener questions first. Okay. Um, the first one is from Ross. And where can people submit these listener questions? They go right to our website. Just go right to our website. Contact, Absolutely. submit, easy. You know, yes. it's overcrestproductions.com. Piece yes. of cake. Um, or you can call. Overcrestpodcast at gmail.com. Whatever. You it's can just call us at the number that's on the website that I'm not going to try to repeat right now because <laughs> I don't know it off the top of my head. And when I said it last time off the top of my head, it was wrong. Yeah, whatever. Just get a hold of us. It's no big deal. Um, so Ross from Minnesota says, can you discuss and speculate how special cars change hands? The ones that have $80,000 paint jobs, special wear models, and very expensive restorations, and cars that the owner invested too much money in. Mm -hmm. We see the ones on eBay, Bring a Trailer, Barrett-Jackson, but do you think a lot of cars change hands in clubs, friends, by word of mouth, and passed on to the next generation? Just a fun discussion with your opinions and not required, but maybe a couple of facts. I like the podcast. Cool. Um, glad you like the podcast. So yes, I always tell people, I always have a lot of people asking me, how do I find a car? Especially Porsche is like, hey, can you help me find a car? Or do you know of any cars? Blah, blah, blah. What can I do? They all sell immediately or they sell for a million dollars. Okay. And the best way to get a car is, so the simple, the simple answer is to get a car that goes sideways. Okay. Right. So that's the way, that's what he's talking about here. Word of mouth through clubs, passed on the next generation, Basically, blah, 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 blah. it doesn't officially go on the market. Never officially goes for sale. And it happens a lot. Yeah. A lot of cars get, you know, past, hey, I know a guy named Bob. He's looking for one of these. I've got one of these. You know, there's a, I know someone that's selling an E39 M5 right now. It's got 100,000 miles on it. It's silver with black interior. It's not officially for sale, but I know it's for sale and it's a right. beautiful, beautiful car. Anybody wants it? Let me know. But that that's kind of how things that's kind of how things work. And that's um, actually how I found my car. That's exactly how you found your car is kind of this word of mouth type exactly. thing. So here's you know, there's a lot of people that don't know anybody in the community. So what I always say to do is, you know, go to the local shop, say, hey, you know, I'm huh. I'm really looking for one of these cars. You know, do you know of anybody? Do you have any customers that are selling their cars? You're going to annoy some people, but you might just find a car to buy sure you know so it, there's different ways to do things you know if you want to get a, an old 2002 tii and you're not a member of a club in the area join the bmw club you know start hanging out with people talk to people start getting in the culture that's how you'll get those cars that go sideways if right. you're a hermit and you don't talk to anybody you don't have any friends <laughs> you're not going to get one of these cars you're going to have to well, go to bear jackson or bring a trailer a bigger pot pocketbook uh, yeah and then you just go on bring a trailer and just buy it 
because yes. that's what you So want. when I read this question, I actually had a, a different thought come to mind. I was just having a conversation with my dad, and he was like, hey, well, I'll pose it this way, Chris. Have you been to Back to the 50s recently? Yes. Okay. So what is the average age of these guys that have, you know, these $100,000 right. hot rods? What age do you start carrying around an oxygen tank on exactly. wheels? Exactly. <laughs> so here's my question. You have a lot of high-dollar build hot rods out there, and these guys are all getting older. And mm -hmm. I don't think that particular car has the following today that it did in their generation or to that. It's different. It's different because they have like the you have the hot rod look of like the Boyd Coddington look, okay. which is kind of that smoothie. There's no taillights. Everything's kind of Frenched in really smooth. Right. But yep. then you have this resurgence of young guys. Like if you go to back to the 50s, and you look, these craftsmen, these guys that build these old like flathead cars and these tea buckets yes. and stuff like that. Then so they're very unique and special and they're not. There's guys that are trying to like you have the uh, what what would it be called all the rusty stuff with skulls all over it yeah the rat rod the rat rod trash I hate those things they're, yeah they're hideous they were cool for a while I agree and they, they were, were very cool unique the first kind of time you saw it and then they kind of got commandeered by a bunch of people with no taste so <laughs> then things you know then guys said okay well that's not cool anymore right and now they're building like these really nice well done very special you still have one the rat rod of course you do but they suck now the guys that build cool stuff don't build those anymore they build something else okay now the group is very small in comparison to all the old guys that are driving those cars there yeah but you know maybe the you, it goes to where those cars get inherited by somebody right and those people that inherit them i would argue a lot of them will not have any interest in them probably and will be looking to sell them so probably my question not. is well unless are it's we like oh it's dad's car oh eh, are we going to see the market on you know that eighty thousand dollar restoration of the 1940 shoebox ford that in the whole hot rod community i mean it's kind of pedestrian it's not super rare sought after anything else are we going to see the market for these tanks we don't know because we've this Cars haven't in human history. Cars haven't been around very long. Yeah, you're right. We don't have you know too you can't many, look like, at generation cycles to go through. Right, you can't look at co contemporary art or something like that. Well, yeah, art. <laughs> you know, it's you know Baroque style art or it has gone up and down in value however many times. I don't know anything about art. I'm just saying, <laughs> but we don't have like a historical thing because all the baby boomers right now yeah. are 65, 60 years old or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. Something like that. We've kind never of, had a whole. Slew we don't know. We don't know how this is change hands. Yeah, we don't know how this is going to work. So we'll just have to wait and see. It'll be interesting. All right. So next uh, is by Chris from Iowa. Um, friends of mine were speaking recently about automotive ads and especially catchy ones like Zoom Zoom for Mazda and the Ultimate Driving Machine for BMW, which I think they dropped, didn't they? Oh, I don't know. I certainly haven't heard it. Yeah. My memory keyed on a little fire gremlin mascot thing for <laughs> VW, which I mentioned. None of my friends remembered it, and they thought I was insane. I did some Googling and found it. VW had an ad campaign to embrace spirited driving called Make Friends With Your Fast. The feature, the little demon gremlin thing called Fast. Do you remember that thing? I think it might have been mostly focused on the VW GTI. Love your show. Stoked about the rally. Keep up the good work. I do remember the Fast. So Mark Five. Mark GTI, 5 GTI is yep, when that's this right. came out. And you could actually, do you remember, you would get the limited edition little fast figurine. Yeah, it was a little black guy with red eyes. Yes, exactly. I, I didn't get a brand new GTI. I got a brand new uh, Volkswagen Rabbit at the time. And then instead of giving me a cool figurine, I got a guitar. 
<laughs> which is kind of cool. That's right. You could plug in the Fender. It was some yeah, it was sort the of Fender series or whatever. You could get a guitar, which I guess those are kind of worth money now for no reason whatsoever. I I remember those, and I thought that was a cool idea. Yeah, you could pull up in your rabbit and start playing Just John jamming. Mayer tunes and pick up chicks or what? <laughs> Do you mean uh, to say John Mayer? Mayer? What Mayer? What? I don't know. It's not my type of music. Clearly, it's not something I would ever have done. Um, so Anyways, I, yes. so I wanted to play a commercial from you from that period and see if you could remember this one. Yo, P-Dub got Mike in the house. What's up? And his tricked out vip. What does this do? It sucks in air. It's definitely sucking. Yo, Mikey wanna stomp pimp this thing. Let me hear you say, what? 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 V-Dub holding it down on the engineering tip, y'all. Yeah. The GTI Mark V, pre-tuned by German engineers. You remember that? that? I do. It was the un uh, unpimp your ride or the what was it? It was unpimp the, Z, it was unpimp Ziato, basically yeah, what it was. Okay. There was the name for like that whole campaign. They had several different variations, the commercial. Yep, that where was, they'd bring in like the riced out, you know, stereotypical whatever it is. And they would and crush it or throw with a trebuchet it. or yep, or, or, or whatever <laughs> whatever the case may be. It was it was absolutely that phenomenal. Was right after um, the the find your fast or Do you remember Helga? The girl from the commercial? Yes. It's definitely sucking. She was smoking hot. Yeah. She was really, really attractive. And she actually traveled around and did marketing campaigns in Europe. So she was there. Yeah, she was awesome. (laughs) (laughs) There was a couple I remember on being on the VW Vortex forums back in the day, and there was dudes that their girlfriends would dress up as Helga and go to car shows. There you go. It worked out very well or very poorly. Oh. Um, But the guy from the commercial that the guy that hits the button is Peter Stormare. He's the bad guy guy in like every movie he is the bad guy in um john wick the russian the yes, bad russian yes. he's also the guy that's shoving the leg in the wood chipper in fargo oh really that's him <laughs> so he basically gets hired to do accents he's really really good at accents and he's a great actor too right there's this scene in fargo where he's driving in the car with uh what's the other guy's name they're just the weird dude that movie forever oh anyway so he's driving in the car with what's his face it's the dude with the weird eyes. I can't think of his name. The dude with the weird eyes. Oh, he's also in uh, Reservoir Dogs, too. Okay. Come on, Jake. You're Are you thinking failing of, on uh, me. Oh, what the? Yeah. Uh, he kind of talks like this. <laughs> no, he doesn't kind of talk like that. <laughs> anyway, someone will, someone will probably chime in. They're screaming at the radio right now. Um, basically, he's like, I want to go to Pancake's house. <laughs> it's just this great scene. Look it up. He's like, I want to go to Pancake's house. The guy's like, we just had pancakes for breakfast. He's like, I don't care. I want to go to Pancake's house. Okay. This is great scene in Fargo. It's really, really, really good. <laughs> he's an excellent actor, but it was so weird to see him in this commercial as yeah, some wacky scientist. I he's always like the bad guy. Yeah, he's the Peter Stormy's the latest role is the bad dude in John Wick, which is a killer movie it's really really the third one have you seen i haven't seen the third one but the first two are very good yes very very good anyway so on to some news um jake your dream okay has arrived okay should i click on this i'll just read it to you in the late 2000s when gas prices skyrocketed and the world's economy crumbled gm's hummer suv became a symbol of corporate waste and a poster child for excess in all (laughs) the wrong ways (laughs) oh come on but today there are rumors uh-huh. That GM's once toxic, wasteful Hummer could return as an EV brand. Oh. <laughs> Are 
you disappointed? I thought you'd be happy. I GM, mean, I, GM is in the midst of a massive EV push to try and remain relevant as the car paradigm begins to, begins to shift. Their proven Bolt EV powertrain is the start of something much more impressive for the massive automaker. So basically, mm. that I mean, that's basically it. Yeah. You know, just imagine having a new Hummer become the poster child for green living. You know, just that's ironic, right? I think it would be really good marketing to have that as the juxtaposition to the old I, Hummer. You know, I kind of might like them. It would just, just a little disappointing being like EV, but at the same time. So I saw an article the other day that the Hummer H3T, my truck, okay. came 10 years too early. Because look at the market right now. Look at what Wrangler just did with their truck, the uh, the um, Comanche. Right? Yeah. Like that's basically what my truck was. Until the gas crunch hit and the market fell and everything else. Well, it's weird that I think that your car just suffered from the badge name of Hummer. Because it's a five-cylinder engine, it's probably not terribly inefficient. No, like It probably does 16 to 18 miles. Oh, I get 20. Okay, well, there you go. Yeah. I think it just suffered from brand association. Exactly. Which, so talking about our our cool diagram or definition. We need uh, a cool wall. I know we do. Um, Someone was saying. Can we steal that? Can we steal it? Can we steal is it? Is sure, it time? Has it been not? long enough? Yeah, I guess Has the cool so. wall been gone? Is, is that inherently not cool that we're stealing the cool wall? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but someone on social media was like, hey, Jake, you realize those guys were talking about the Porsche Macan being cool just because it's associated with the heritage of Porsche. By that same definition, your H3 is cool because it's associated with AM General Hummer. No. No, because that all the stuff that came afterwards that's based on trying to basically uh what what is the word they're leverage trying to the brand they're trying to leverage the use of it as a military vehicle and how robust right. and but everything got watered down so much it did. that it ended up being a disappointment rather than something that was like greatly associated with the military vehicle true so i think that's the the gas thing is one part of it but the fact that it's so disappointing in comparison to the real one i think is a pretty big issue as well yeah I just know if they had the H3T how, out today, how far, it would sell. How far is your truck from an H1? Probably pretty far. Really, 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 <laughs> really far. I mean, they're not even close. Yeah, I don't think it shares any component Nothing. at all. And that's probably, obviously, you can't have, you can't sell well, an H1 to a per- you know, have any component that's shared with it either. No, it didn't. And that's probably also why it didn't stick around. But the H1, the original, right? Yeah. You couldn't sell that to consumers. They, no. they wouldn't tolerate it. Any no, of it. What? This thing do only does 40 miles? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. That, so they had to water it down, but it seems like they didn't They didn't really keep the best parts. They just kind of said, yeah, let's kind of make it look like that. <laughs> and they just made everything chunky. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, the wheel's chunky and the freaking fender is boxy. It just yeah. didn't really <laughs> 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 didn't really work out. It's basically a, it's a, the definition of a poser brand for oh, sure. Oh, come on. It is. It's absolutely nothing. It shares no engine. When you look at a Macan, okay, the engine that's in a Macan is the same. Hummer. If you called that before the Colorado ZR2 was a thing, if you called that truck the Colorado ZR2, would it make it more or less? cool it would probably be more cool because it would be its own thing it wouldn't be trying to be something else and being on the coattails of something that it's only related to a little bit visually i can't argue with that (laughs) (laughs) that said it it will be interesting that said i do like your truck if it had an ls swap i think diesel if i'm gonna swap anything in there it's gonna be a diesel that's fine all right so um this is kind of a sad story and the only reason i'm bringing this one up is because it kind of it kind of touches me a little bit in terms of what I do is in terms of journalism and driving and where I go and stuff like that. Cause I've been in exactly this place totally alone. Okay. So it's kind of frightening. 
After 10 days, the large-scale search for Davy Johnson has come to an end. The whereabouts of the missing automotive journalist remain unknown. At the time of his disappearance, Johnson was riding a Honda CB1000R on assignment for Motorcyclist magazine. He was returning from a jaunt to Las Vegas, and his route toward and his route toward his home in Sacramento took him over the difficult Sonora Pass. And you may remember in the Dazil film, right? We're doing a bunch of filming in the Sonora Pass. It's pretty. There's not a lot of people there. Okay. You know, you can't you can't take your your mobile home or your tra- anything with a trailer. It's twenty some twenty six percent grade. I mean, wow. it's it's okay. a pretty aggressive aggressive. It's all paved. Sure. But it's but it's pretty aggressive and goes up to around eleven thousand feet. And it's really remote. There's lots of cliffs. There's lots of dangerous hairpins, blind turns. Great. It's a, it's great. Obviously, that's why he took the road, is because it's a beautiful road. Right. Johnson's last known contact was a selfie photo sent to a friend on the morning of June 5th. The search began on June 7th. His test motorcycle was soon found, key in the ignition, at the Big Bar River Access rest stop off of California Route 49, along with his helmet and his riding gear. Oh. O- officials say that the motorcycle was operable and no readily apparent mechanical problems. Okay, I assumed he, like, crashed or went off a ledge. That's what I assumed, too, when I first heard about it. As his clothing, laptop, and other effects were found by a creek leading to the leading to the river and scent tracking dogs lost his trail at the water's edge, it's possible he entered the creek, perhaps to refresh himself after his long ride, and may have become overcome by the cold, snowmelt-fed water. Oh, jeez. According to the sheriff's office, resources marshaled in an attempt to locate him included a wide range of local, regional, and state agencies and hundreds of searchers who covered over 448 miles on foot in hopes of locating him, aided by search dogs, boats, helicopters, unmanned aerial vehicles. The efforts were sadly unsuccessful. The sheriff's office said, Specially trained canines have indicated that David Johnson's scent traveled from the location of the photograph towards the river's edge. Undisturbed items of value, including a wallet, electronics, and a camera were located in the area. All items have been identified as belonging to David Johnson. The Sheriff's Office Marine Safety Unit and Sheriff Detectives will continue to search for Johnson. But again, unless new information surfaces, this appears to be the end of the large-scale effort. So, so I, I fear this because I am alone a lot. You know, So yeah. I, I don't know what happened to this guy. I don't know why you would take your laptop and camera down to the water and then take all your clothes off and go so in. So did he go in without his clothes on? Like, was he going for a swim? I Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. So he took his riding gear off. Right. Maybe, I mean, this time of year, you're not, it's not hot up up there. It's it's not really warm. So I don't really know. It's it's like this weird mystery to me. I don't know what happened to this guy. And they never found his body either. That's odd too. Yeah. And it sucks. I mean, they set up a a GoFundMe to help find him and his girlfriend is super sad and distraught. Yeah, I imagine. It's uh, really just not a, not a happy time for anybody. So next story, I'm just going to play a clip, and I okay. just want you to listen to it, and uh, you can interject in the middle, and then we'll talk about it a little bit afterwards, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. Well, this goes way beyond tinted windows and loud car stereo. Some say the latest custom car modification is downright dangerous and could pose a threat to public safety. Tonight, the I-Team's Chris Glorioso takes a look into a bizarre way people change their exhaust system that could set off panic in the streets. Imagine walking down any crowded city street. Now, close your eyes and imagine hearing this. I'd freak out. It sound like gunshots. I mean, I'd be pretty terrified, to be honest. That sound is actually coming from the tailpipes of cars. 
These clips posted on Instagram show something referred to as straight pipe exhaust modifications, a way to That's make down cars louder and sometimes mimic the sound of gunfire. That exhaust isn't just a random loud noise in the environment. I mean, it sounds like it is truly mimicking the sound of gunshots. Eric Pisa is an associate professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice. He says this kind of exhaust modification has the potential not only to send crowds into a panic, but also to fool the NYPD's gunshot detection system, a network of acoustic sensors called ShotSpotter. The sounds of gunfire, that's one of the highest priority incidents you can have. So police officers are always going to be dispatched uh, immediately. Yep. And if it turns out that a lot of these incidents aren't really gunfire events, and that's certainly a problem. According to the New York Vehicle Code, no you. person should modify a muffler or exhaust system in any manner right, let's, which would uh, amplify. Or it, so basically, they... So I'm going to read a little bit from the article so we can just try and wrap our heads around okay. what they're actually saying. One of the trends in custom car modification goes way beyond style, and it could say it could, could cause dangerous panic among pedestrians. Do you think they're going a little it's, bit overboard well, on this? You know, all news has to be sensational to be interesting. On social media, sites like Instagram, the iTeam found dozens of videos demonstrating straight pipe exhaust systems that have been altered using techniques called straight piping and <laughs> two-step modifications. Yeah. Totally Pedersen different. said they could imagine dangerous mass panic if one of the customized cars rolled past a crowded street. Okay, so Come I on. wish they would have talked to someone to get their facts straight here, right? Right. Okay, so two-step is basically a lower set rev limiter so you can no-lift shift, right? Right, So what that does then is it basically dumps fuel and just cuts spark, and then you do have the popping or explosion Which in the basically exhaust it, it, manifold. It keeps the turbo spooling exactly. is what it does. Yes, which is not just, ooh, it's straight piped, right? So if you, unless you're pulling into uh, Central Park or uh, downtown, what's Times Square, right? <laughs> which is, this is New York, whatever yeah. news. So if you're pulling into Times Square, stopping in the middle, revving it up and launching yes. in Times Square, this isn't really going to be an issue. Well, it is because people are doing it. Because it's not like you're doing this just at the racetrack or something. Well, here's the thing is you have all the tunes that, do it whether you, so then the car is doing it whether you want to do it or not they all have these burble and burble and pop tunes or crackle yeah. and pop tunes you know apr has them right you can get them for the gti you put it on there and when you're off throttle it just pop, pop, fuel. Bang, yeah. bang 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 and i personally don't like it i liked it the first time i heard it i was like oh that is aggressive what is that that sounds cool but that's with an engine that was tuned to do it, not just some software that mimics mine, it. Mine does it a little bit just because You're it's... You're 911. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's CIS, so there's constantly continuous injection system. Right. There's constantly fuel being pushed out of the exhaust. So yeah, it's my, kind of just... My car with carbs that aren't quite tuned correctly also does it, does it, it on override. But it's... It's not loud and obnoxious. It doesn't sound like an AK-47 going right. on. I do agree this is stupid, and I understand they should have focused on the concern really is their gunfire detection system. Because you've seen the videos where like police officers are coming out to tuning shops. Yes. Being like, where's the gun? Yeah, you where's the gun? the gun? And they where have to like, fire up the Honda Civic and make it do the thing so they leave them alone, basically. Correct, correct. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I just... I, I do hate the sensationalist nature of... I hate the sensationalist nature of the news, but I also hate the burble tunes and the pop <laughs> tunes. I hate. Them. I remember when a friend of mine just had that tune put on his car, didn't offer any more horsepower, didn't yeah. offer any any uh, performance so, gains whatsoever. All it did is start popping. It's That's also it. bad for it because part of what it's doing is dumping excess fuel on diesel, and what that does is wash your cylinders. 
So if you're having fuel, unburnt fuel in your cylinders as it's going up and down, you're washing the cylinder walls of oil and also diluting your oil with gasoline, basically. Right. Great. So it's, it's not good for it. Anyway, so um, you'll be happy to know that Aston Martin is planning to take the Valkyrie to the Nürburgring. <laughs> which, which, can we play the March of the Valkyries? Isn't that like the big... German-sounding song, right? I can't operate that fast in this okay. environment. Well, so. anyways, the um, Valkyrie. That's what I think of every time I hear that. Yes, basically, uh, they're going to try and beat the production time, which was set by the Lamborghini Aventador SVJ, which was 6.44.97. So six minutes, 44 seconds. And just for reference, mm -hmm. the GT2 RS did 6.47. Viper ACR was 7.01. Uh, the I McLaren mean, we, are, we are slowly chipping away at that time, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The McLaren 720S was 7.08. Mercedes AMG GTR Pro, which, come on. Yeah. Can we come up with a better name than calling a car the Pro? It's the professional edition. It's the professional edition of the GTR race edition of the regular. It's, it's, <laughs> so the Valkyrie is coming with 1,160 horsepower, courtesy of a 6.5 liter V12 paired with a Kerr-style hybrid system. Sure. The car also boasts advanced aerodynamics shaped by a successful Formula One race car designer, Adrian Newey. Palmer said Aston Martin is likely to waste the is unlikely to waste the money of renting out the whole track just for an attempt, but will more likely send the car out during a public session or industry test day. I'm thinking maybe we'll do something cool, like turning up to an open session, something crazy like that, which would be insane. Because you go when you go to the Nurburgring, it's there's like a all it is is it's basically a toll road. It's got right. a little arm that lifts up, and you go and you yeah, put you money in. There. You know, it's you put money in, you get a little wristband, and, you, and they just you just drive in. Just imagine being there in your whatever, your M3 CSL or your, you know, I wrote, I rode around in a Polo G40 or there's Opals. It's all kinds of, it is the whole gamut of sure. cars yeah, and it's, bikes. It's, right. The motorcycles so out there too All of a sudden, crazy. here comes a semi pulls up and it's, and it's, it's not labeled. It's white uh -huh. and, and it just out rolls a freaking Valkyrie just to go run it, and everybody, it's going to be insane. It's going to be quite the event. Yeah. Part of me thinks that's like just cheap though. The fact that they're not renting out the track to do the attempt. I no? think that I don't think they're being cheap. I really do think they want the sensational nature of what they're doing. Well, the problem is, is this. It's really hard to get a clean lap because yes. there are cars everywhere. Yeah. I was out there in a Mercedes A-Class diesel with four horsepower. <laughs> and all, all I could do is just don't kill me. I'm, yeah, don't with my blinker on the whole time. Um, <laughs> The record for all cars at the Nürburgring is the insane five minutes and 19 seconds set last year by the, nine, the Porsche 919 Evo time attack car. Right. The Valkyrie likely won't eclipse this, but they uh, they want to do so. They want to do other other circuits, stuff like that. At Spa, it's supposed to be as fast as an F1 car. Um, and so, according to simulations, it's, you know, it's pretty fast at Silverstone, too. Or, I don't so know, simulations. The, the Valkyrie, I don't know what that means. That's I mean, it's going to be a production car, right? But it's like a super it's not just a one-off. No, yeah, you're going to be able to buy tickets basically, or get tickets to buy the car. Okay, so if you, that's why people models. are. It's, yeah, that's why people are already selling. That's right. Their spot to buy the car. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's see what's the next one here? Yeah, everything's out of order. That's amazing. So the, the uh, you know that the Boxster, Spider, and the Cayman right now have the four-cylinder engine, and then the the four-cylinder turbo. Right, yeah. So any of the box Porsche Boxer and Cayman are the 718 chassis, right. which is the turbocharged four-cylinder. Except for the GT4 in 2016, I think, had the 3.8 liter. still has the six. A big six. A 3.8 liter. So um, I once drove a Boxster Spider. Yeah. It is phenomenal. 
Yeah. It was autocrossing it. It was a great car. I love the top on those. It's, the little like it bimini seems, top. It seems like kind of a nightmare to deal with. I was looking at it like, how do I fold this thing up? Anyway, so the 2016 Boxster and Spider had a four-cylinder turbo engine. But in 2020, the Spider and Cayman are going to get a flat six. Um, and despite the fact that it shares a four-liter displacement with the engine in the GT3, GT3 They're RS. They're going to put a four-liter in four the liter. Boxster? So that's what the GT3 and the GT3 RS have too. But it's right. going to be a completely different engine. Oh, so it's going to be rather it's it's a board stroked and naturally aspirated version of the three liter flat six used in the new 911. Okay. So it's not the GT3 RS engine, which you kind of you get it. I'll, I'll explain why they they don't put that motor in that car in a second. Okay. But this is going to have a forged crankshaft and pistons, uh-huh. p- uh, piezo fuel injectors, an aluminum intake system. This is all stuff that's normal on every well, car. Well, piezo <laughs> fuel injectors. That's how ooh. a fuel injector well, works. You know, here's the thing though. I said, ooh, an aluminum intake system. Actually, most are plastic now. Yeah, they're all plastic. Sad. They call that out as like a kind of aluminum feature. In. The engine is dry sumped with an oil pump that is designed to prevent starvation and high speed cornering. Mm-hmm. 414 horsepower, 309 pound feet of torque at 8,000 RPMs. And you will only be able to get it with a manual. I like that. I do like that. So here's the reason why they didn't put the GT3 in, in the engine in the Cayman GT4. Okay. So way back in the day, my buddy Glenn from Auto Illustrated, right? He does all the uh, Porsche designs that you see, you know, around. He's a very, very good, talented artist. Absolutely. He wrote in. They had a contest that I don't remember what it was for, but he wrote in a Porsche, and they said, "We love your submission. Why don't you bring a buddy to Barbara Motorsports Park, and you can drive race cars, or not? You can drive Porsches That's for right. two it days." It was a, a contest. That it was Porsche a contest. Held. He won, and he took me, which was like I'm jealous. Awesome. Of that. Yeah, it was really cool. So we went there and in general, it was the majority of the people were it was there was a woman journalist who could not get out of her own way. And then there was some <laughs> other like loafer wearing dudes that just really were pussyfooting around. So we Glenn and I actually the instructors were just like, you know what? You guys are good. Just go. Really? Yeah. So we just got to just go drive, which was really because they showed us the line a few times. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys just go. We got to just deal with these other people. <laughs> like I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a great driver because no. I'm I'm just an average driver. I'm just an average guy. But compared to compared the, to these guys, compared to the guy that you know passes bar association tests like 40 years ago, <laughs> we were doing we were we were doing we were doing really. And so what were you in? I, so I drove the uh, a Cayman S, okay, 911 S, and a Boxster, and we drove a Panamera and some other things in the in the in the Cayenne as well too. But here's the deal: is you could tell that. Porsche is really, really good at engineering the Boxster, the Cayman, and the 911 at specific distances apart in terms of performance <laughs> based on the value that they cost. Sure. If you look at the horsepower numbers for the base models, the size of the brakes, oh, the yeah. width of the tires, it's all proportionate, it's all to, the proportionate to the value. So they're not going to put the engine out of a GT3, the flagship engine, in the other car. They could. Though, they say. And they should. They should, but they will not. They say, well, it's because the GT3's remote oil reservoir would have been particularly problematic to re-engineer. And they mm-hmm. also said that, well, we didn't want to detune that motor. It doesn't run very well when it's detuned. That was their reasoning. Right. But, well, but realistically. It. Just put the massive four liter in the, the Cayman so, and it'll clean up. It'll clean up a 911 is what it'll do. (laughs) Yeah, that's the point. So it's got the whole front end is off a GT3. Oh, yeah. The suspension pickups and everything. Yeah. And then the rear end is is GT4 and and Cayman stuff. But um, anyway, I love love the GT4. I've sat in one. They're great. They're absolutely phenomenal. All right. So um, also coming. uh, It's actually now back on Netflix. 
comedians in cars getting coffee. Our friend Seinfeld. Do you our friend? I've never yeah, met I've our never met Seinfeld. the man. Well, yeah. he was he looking at your car he, not he too was. long ago. Except you we were, you're like, "Hey, Seinfeld's looking at your car." I'm like, "Take a picture." And he takes a picture of Seinfeld distinctly not looking at my car. Well, it's by the time I got my phone out and I was going to take a picture, he turned back to his buddies How there. how long did he look at my car for? He was just kind of like, "Oh, yeah, look at it." Did he look inside? Did he look in the window? Uh not like, like fanboy move over and look in the window he was glancing yeah, so at he, the car so he did leer at my car for oh, a yeah, minute he noticed he noticed that's that's fantastic right um, anyway so um i do not like this show oh you don't <laughs> i don't like comedians in cars getting coffee the concept it should the be first no, few ones were good it should be known as jerry takes out a bunch of non-car people in weird cars and then has boring six out of ten conversations with them so there's some really good guests right um uh, the old Saturday Night Live guy, I can't think of his name. He was in Wayne's World. Um, oh, Mike. Played Garth. Uh, Mike other, Myers. Not Mike Myers, the guy that played Garth. Oh, yeah, don't the know him. Guy. He was really good. I really? really, really liked their conversation. Jim Carrey was really, really interesting. Um, in a good way, it's it's kind of how you get to see comedians and entertainers and really, really famous people out of the element sure. of performing. performing. And that's you see them in the real world. It's like a secret glimpse into the world of these people. Yeah. And I really, that part is interesting. For that sure. is really, that's the most interesting part about it. Guess what season they're on? Oh, I have no idea. 11. This is the 11. What it How says? many episodes are in each season? Not many, not many. So the current, uh, there's like eight. So it's okay. not, not. Is fun. it still brought to you by Acura? Probably not. Now that it's on Netflix, I bet it is not. Oh yeah. It's probably because it was on YouTube. By Netflix. It was on YouTube right, before. It was a YouTube series and it was sponsored by Acura of all things. And I right. don't think he ever drove an Acura. Probably not. I don't. I think he's like, well, I'm certainly not driving one of your stupid cars on my show. Maybe he drove an NSX. I just, I don't know. I haven't seen all of them. No, I certainly haven't either. It's just, it's kind of the same formula. They, they go pick up. He talks about the car for a second. They talk about their career. They come in. It goes to an artsy shot of coffee being made and then they drink some and then it goes to another. <laughs> yeah, it they definitely have a formula. They have a formula. It should show them going to the bathroom like six times for the amount of coffee that they end up drinking. Um, so on Every this, time I watch that show, I want a cup of coffee. I bet. So there's gonna, they were really talking about Eddie Murphy being on. So they do have some, I'm gonna watch this time because they do have some people that I like. Eddie Murphy is very funny yep. and I haven't seen or heard anything out of Eddie Murphy in a long time. Yeah, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Well, I don't like Jamie Foxx at all. Seth Rogen's funny. Bridget Everett. No idea. Martin Short. Matthew Broderick. Melissa Villasenor. Um, with previous guests, Barry Mader. It's almost like Bernie <laughs> Madoff. <laughs> uh, Mario Joyner, Sebastian Maniscalco, and Ricky Gervais. Uh, whatever. We'll see. I'll watch it just because I, I enjoy seeing interesting cars and a little bit of a look through the looking glass at sure. you know, these people's lives and who they really are, which is interesting it just doesn't well, I, I think it gets who they really are as, when they're on another show right this isn't like <coughs> following them around their right daily but they're, they're not on a sitcom they're not on stand-up right. they're not being interviewed on ellen's show or True. oprah or something right um the only thing that i think i don't like about the show is they're constantly promoting it in like on car blogs and you know motor trend car and driver wherever okay like it's some sort of car guy show but it's not but it's not it no. is it really isn't car adjacent right so this one is kind of up your alley a little bit okay um, have you heard about the new shelby gt500 uh no i don't think so okay so the, the new gt500 is going to be the most powerful road going forward in the company's history 
<laughs> the car's 5.2 liter supercharged V8 was confirmed on Wednesday with 760 horsepower and 625 pound-feet of torque. And you know what the first thing I thought was? Burnouts. Put this in the Ford GT because the Ford GT oh, God, sounds sick so cylinder. lame. I know. Sounds so lame. I have no Why? interest Why? in that new car. Why? Why do you have this stupid, crappy-sounding engine in the I Ford GT? I think so they could race it. There, I'm sure it met some sort of homologation requirement for displacement and everything else with racing in Le Mans. Whatever. It's lame. That has to be why. Because I agree. It's dumb. Well, I was watching Le Mans. We're going to talk. Well, you talked about this with Jim on Friday. Oh, yeah. I just watched the Corvette walk away from the Ford GT. Right. I'm like, well, there he goes. In a couple laps, the guy was gone. I don't know. So, and this is a Corvette. Versus, uh, I'm rehashing a little yeah, bit. which still has old pushrod technology. Right, right. That's still shy of the Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat Red Eye. So what are we going to have next? We've got the Dodge I Challenger SRT names. Hellcat Red Eye Extreme. Or the Pro. Maybe they'll add Pro to it, like Mercedes <laughs> yeah, did. We, we know the formula now. That has 797 horsepower and 707 foot pound-feet of torque. Uh, but it does stomp the Camaro ZL1, uh, with, which has 650 and 650. Well, what happened to the... the wasn't it the demon had like 900 horsepower? I don't know. Like, I, okay. This is, I'm just reading. Yeah. Um, the car's bespoke V8 relies on a 2.65 liter blower from Eaton. So I don't understand liter. supercharger Two. displacement. It's how much air it, it it displaces on one revolution, I think. It's got to I I don't know, but that's right. My, that's my speculation. Because I mean, you're just comparing that to like engine size, right? Right. And it's like, wow. This blow this blower displaces more air in one revolution than your engine does. Right. Exactly. That's <laughs> like that's what I'm thinking displacement wise. Um, it pushes 12 psi, which that's it. No, that's okay, but that's um, that's direct supercharge. I forget the term now. I can can't talk. Usually, blowers only put out like six psi. I know. It's well, it's rev it's. Limited by the the revolutions that a supercharger can spin, because they're already spinning fifteen thousand RPMs. They're spinning very, very, very fast. Well, that is a like Rotax type supercharger. This is a twin screw. They're still turning, Jake. I know they're and still they turn turning. very, very fast. It's like a mechanical limit of how. It's like our. Um, I think you can only spin them up so fast because you keep getting the pulley smaller and smaller and smaller, <laughs> right. and then pretty soon you're spinning a supercharger at twenty thousand RPMs, and they're just not reliable anymore. I think that's. Well, a lot of it has to do with heat as well. Well, yeah, when you're spinning at that speeds, you're definitely going to be generating some heat. Yes. You know, with a turbo, you can just... No, but my point is that when you have a supercharger like this, it's much different than like a turbocharger that puts out, you know, 30 PSI. Well, of course it is because it's only 12 PSI. It's way less... It's When you're talking about absolute pressure going into the engine, mm -hmm. there's if a turbo is spinning 12 PSI and a supercharger is doing 12 PSI, it's the, it's got to be the same. If you're running absolute pressure in the manifold, when you read a boost gauge, it says this. It's not says, well, this is supercharger PSI. It's absolute power. I it's absolute pressure. I have the fags in front of me, but I know it's different. Anyway, it should run more boost. 12 is lame. Um, it's, to generate a 760 horses, that's what it runs. The power is then routed to the rear wheel via a, a Tremec 7-speed DSG or dual-clutch transmission. So no manual. No manual. This is this is funny, the name of these tires. The last part of the equation is Michelin Pilot Sports 4 Summer Tires or Pilot Sport Cup 2 Superhero Tires. Superhero Tires. If the box for the carbon fiber track package is ticked. Yeah. All right. Great. Well, there you go. That's it. Well, and that's it. That's I think that's all we're going to do for news. Um, I'm really disappointed in myself that I can't talk about superchargers that's in right. more depth and that's, knowledge. Well, I just figure absolute pressure is absolute pressure. When that manifold is reading yeah, pressure, it's, it's instantly available. You know what I mean? It's well, I understand like that the power band boost. is different. I understand that. I get it. 
I understand that it's a better torque band, but that's always the difference between when you choose to run a supercharger or you choose to run a turbo. That's the compromise. Supercharger is, is positive displacement is what I'm trying to think of. You run that boost over a better range when you have a supercharger. It's consistent. It's not as peaky, right? Right. It's not as peaky as a turbocharger. That's why people twin charge things. The supercharger helps them out w- until the turbocharger comes in, and then you you don't have to deal with as much boost, boost lag. But in the end, when you're running peak boost, turbo is going to make more power every time. It's just it's a different power band. It's all it's all about I think where, it what has you're to after. do with the compression ratio. You can run as well. Here's why: because yeah, because uh, you're positive. running lower. You're running lower boost. Yes, but it's constant. Then a, a blower that makes 12 psi is making 12 psi even at idle. I understand that. I under I get it. And it, well, that's going to be controlled by the wastegate because tur- uh, supercharger still has has a wastegate. At least my Not supercharger a wastegate. It's a boost controller or whatever you want to call bypass it. Bypass valve. Bypass valve. There you sure. go. Sure. So I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand how I'm wrong. <laughs> I because I don't think they can make that much more psi. What can't? I'm sure the supercharger can. I I just. <laughs> just frustrated with you right now. Why? Because I'm right? No, you're not right. <laughs> I am right. That's why when you would go back in the day when guys would have a VR6 engine. Okay. They they have a 12 L VR6 or a 25 VR6 out right. of a Volkswagen R32 Jetta VR6 whatever. That was always the choice. If you wanted to make big power, you went with a turbo. Right. Because the absolute pressure that it can build is always going to be higher than it can with the supercharger always because yes. it can if, make because it can make more boost because of the mechanical limits of what a supercharger can do because it's run off a pulley attached to the engine and you can run smaller pulleys but you can't run a pulley the size of a pencil so eventually you you just cannot make the same amount of boost it, but it here's the thing efficiency not mechanical abilities Fine. The turbo is going to be more efficient using the wasted exhaust gas, but that's not because you can't make a centrifugal supercharger spin faster and make, you know, 50 PSI a boost. You uh, can. When, when you were running a G ladder, you could only spin that thing so fast. When you could, well, like a G60, or I think I don't think you can, because they spin really fast, all superchargers do. And then it becomes a maintenance issue because you're overrunning the supercharger. With a, with a turbo, it's just the, it, the issues aren't there. But here's the compromise, is when you have a boost supercharger, lag. well, yes, you have boost lag. It's not as drivable. Right. Right. And, you know, so you've run a supercharger. It's better around town. You got more torque down low. You know, so there's that's I think that's why Ford probably and obviously Chevy and obviously Dodge. They all go with a supercharger because they don't really need more than seven, eight, nine hundred horsepower anyway. And they'd rather have the drivability and the reliability of having having the the system be something that produces power at the lower end of the power band. Right. Which is what everybody wants a V8 to do. Right. Yeah, you want they don't torque. want some boosty, laggy. Agreed. Thing yeah, it doesn't match that engine at so all. That for me, that's the difference. So if I think I'm right, <laughs> I don't know what we were actually even arguing about. I, I don't remember anymore either. Okay. Well, on that note, we'll see you guys later. <laughs> we'll see you. Uh, we're gonna have the. So uh, by the time you listen to this, I'll have already went to the uh, Schweine House yes. show. I will have picked up the checked out Chicago guys, right? Who are coming up to that show, and we're gonna have them in studio on Saturday, which is a couple we days have ago now. Had them on. Yeah, Saturday. yeah. We'll have had them on the we're studio the on Saturday right now, Chris. and uh, th- th- we're gonna interview them about their show, yeah, and uh, what they've got going on. So that's gonna be on the next episode, and also a mystery history episode. Mystery history. Mystery <laughs> history. <laughs> Bye, Jake. Uh, that's it, guys. We will talk to you next time. Take care. Thank you.